our focus this year, 2020, is getting 2020 vision. And we've been saying all along, come see what God can do. It's amazing what God is doing right now. He has removed a lot of obstacles from our sight so that we can truly focus in. None of us could have imagined being in the circumstances we're in right now. But friends, make no mistake, this isn't by chance. This is providence. God has us right where he wants us. He's showing us more of himself. He's showing us what really matters. You know, from the get-go, we've been saying we've got to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And where has God put us? He's put us right there in our homes, right there amongst our neighbors. And right now we can impact, we can impact every generation with the hope of Jesus. And we can do that because we're confident of what God can do. We can look back and see what God has done. We can know that God is going to work now and we can trust him for the future. The series we're in right now is See the Greatness of God. And it began three weeks ago. The first series, the first sermon rather, in this series was, was on Palm Sunday. We looked at Zechariah 9.9, that prophecy 500 years before Jesus entered into Jerusalem, saying that he would come on, on a cult. And Jesus did it. He came and announced that he had come to save the world. And that is proof that his promise is sure. Of course, last Sunday, we looked at how Jesus said that the leaders of, of, of Israel would would pursue him and kill him. And on the third day he would be raised and he did it. He kept that promise. Now today we're gonna to look at the promise Jesus made about the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Sunday, but before Jesus gave his life as the atoning sacrifice and was raised, he told his disciples what he was going to do. And that's what we're gonna look at today. Be prepared for God to speak to you today. Today we are going to focus on the promise God made and kept concerning the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I'm in the chapel this morning with the beautiful backdrop of this stained glass of the Holy Spirit coming down on the day of Pentecost. This is one of the most beautiful pieces of art in our city, in my opinion. And it just provides for us an excellent and beautiful backdrop to the reality of this text. See, our text today is a conversation Jesus had with his disciples before he died and was raised and then ascended into heaven. He was preparing them for what was going to happen on the other side of his death. See, they were about to enter into a, a very difficult and different time in their life. Jesus was going to die. Yes, he was going to be raised, but he was going to be present with them in a very different way. Uh, the world was changing. They were going to have to be uh, confined, if you will, for 50 days waiting for the Spirit of God to come. And then after the Spirit of God came, they had no idea what their world was going to be like. They were going to be in confinement and then come out to a whole new world. And here we are, just a week after the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're still in a, in a time of confinement. We're, we're still in our homes dealing with physical distancing issues. And we are going to come out of this, but we have no idea what the world's going to be like. People keep saying, nothing's going to be the same. Everything's going to be different. And so our text gives us comfort. Let this be an encouragement to you that, that God knows what's next, that God has a plan for what is next, and, and God has hope for us, and God's plan is hopeful. We need to remember, we're not the first people to ever go through a situation where, where they were away from the, the normal aspects of their life. You know, the Israelites were once in exile, 
And God sent a word to them through the prophet Jeremiah. We read that in Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now, this tells us a lot about God. It tells us that, that he is a God who can give a future that is filled with hope. It tells us that he's the kind of God that can be sought and found. He's someone we can know. He's someone we can experience. He's someone we can have a relationship with. He is a restoring God. He is a saving God. This tells us that God knows what's going on. God has a plan for what's going on. And we can trust God with what is happening now and what is going to happen in the future. In this really strange moment right now, the Lord is at work. His plan is going to be revealed. And we will know that and we will experience that confidence as we experience him. Now, only those who've experienced saving grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone can now experience God's presence because God's presence is now mediated to us through the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to look at today. This, this person, the Holy Spirit, what, what does he bring to our life? What should we expect to experience of God because of his presence with us? Let's look at God's promise to send the Holy Spirit and then what it is we should experience from him. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now go to John chapter 14. We're going to be in verse uh, 16 and 17, just these two verses, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. We're in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. The disciples were being prepared to go through something they did not know very much about. They, they knew some of the information about the experience they were about to have. They knew something about the Spirit of God, but they didn't know what life was going to be after Pentecost. I mean, how do you prepare for something that, that you know very little about? I mean, how did you prepare for the pandemic? How did you get yourself ready for, for what they were describing to us? I mean, let's think about it. Let's be honest. We had some help. I mean, we, we had the model of the Spanish flu of uh, 1917. I mean, it was only 100 years ago, right? We, we also had lots of movies and TV shows about pandemics. And, you know, we had the news updates and, and telling us what other countries were experiencing. But, you know, we still didn't quite know what to expect. We didn't really know quite how to prepare for this pandemic. And I wonder if that's how the, the disciples felt. Here Jesus is explaining this helper, this, this Holy Spirit who is coming, who is a person. And, and he's telling them, yes, this is going to be good. It's going to be great. I don't want you to be scared. I want you to know that I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I want you to know that, that what's coming is, is going to be a good thing for you. We who are now on the other side of Pentecost... Sure, we can read our Bibles and we can share our experiences, 
of how God has been at work, how the Holy Spirit has worked and the work that he does in the life of those who believes. And that's what I want us to take note of today is what it is that we can experience since God has kept his promise about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Here's what I want you to take note of. First, this God promised the Holy Spirit would be another helper. So you look at the text, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice that capital H there, helper. It's a person to be with you forever. Jesus was letting the disciples know that the Father would be sending them another as the same kind as Jesus, helper. See, Jesus is our first helper. He is the one who has provided what was needed for us to have peace with God the Father. This is the good news of God. This is the gospel. This is what we repent and believe in order to pursue and recover God's design. So when we look at the three circles, we understand God's design that in creation, everything was in harmony together. But because of our sin, there's now brokenness. We have a broken relationship with God. We're we're broken inside. We deal with pain uh, because of those broken relationships. But the good news, the gospel, is that God has come. And now in the gospel, we we have hope because of Jesus. He is our helper. He is our advocate. We read in 1 John chapter uh, 2, rather, beginning in verse 1, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, look at this, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, I want you to notice that the word advocate is the same Greek word for helper we read in our text. So what you see in this picture is a connection that I'm wanting you to see. So this is a a lexicon and um, and an interlinear. So the interlinear says advocate, but I'm connecting, you know, in that lexicon helper. See, advocate and helper are actually the same Greek word. That Greek word there is parakleton. And and what, what God is saying to us and what we're, we're understanding what Jesus is communicating is is that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are, are the a helper of the same kind. Jesus Christ he is our advocate and he pleads for us. He, belie- he pleads our cause before God the Father against the accuser. Satan is the accuser. He is the one that stands before God. He's accusing us. He is the ultimate tattletale. And you know what? No one likes a tattletale. I don't know if you ever had a tattletale when you were growing up. I, I Believe it or not, I, I used to get in quite a bit of trouble uh, when I was in elementary school. My my behavior grades were were not really uh, that that good, and and it would not be a surprise to any teacher that that when their back was turned that I had done something wrong. But there was one instance when actually a, a little tattletale told a teacher that I had done something that I hadn't done, and it was amazing to me that all my classmates began to say he didn't do that, he didn't do that, because see they were sick of the tattletale. She was telling on them as well. And so finally, they were going to catch her in a lie. And so everyone came to my support, not because they cared about what happened to me, but they were tired of her tattling on everyone. You know, Satan is the ultimate accuser. He is the worst tattletale, but Jesus stands for us. It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, 
And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser, that is Satan, of of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Jesus has defeated Satan on the cross. Anything that he would accuse us of, Jesus now says, I've paid for that sin. I've paid in full for everything this one who has repented and believed has ever done. Every every sin they have ever committed, Jesus Christ has paid for that sin for us. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. In that moment, he body slammed Satan. He threw him down. He defeated him so that now we are free. We have this advocate, this helper who is Jesus Christ. And what he's saying to the disciples is, yes, I I am your paracletum, but there's another that is coming of the same kind. He also is God. Holy Spirit is God, and he is a person. And now that Holy Spirit has come to help us, uh, he is our helper. And he helps us in, in many ways, three ways that I would encourage you to be familiar with. First of all, in calling us to turn from sin and to become righteous. It says in John 16, 8, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So we experience this conviction of the Holy Spirit in two different ways. Before we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we will experience conviction. And that conviction is a part of us being born again, having new life, coming alive to God, becoming aware of our sin so that we repent and believe the gospel to be saved. We also, we also experience uh, the, the conviction as a, as a means for, for sanctification. So once we're saved, it's not as though the Holy Spirit no longer has a work to do. No, no, no. He has an ongoing work of pointing to us our sin so that we can repent and believe, not to be saved, but so that we can grow closer into the image of Jesus Christ for which we have been saved. The Holy Spirit helps us by, first of all, calling us to turn from sin to become righteous, but second, calling uh, to our remembrance what the Word of God teaches. This is John 14, 26. Again, Jesus talking about the Spirit of God. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, I have had times when I've been uh, preaching that the Spirit of God has called something to remembrance. Now, sometimes it's not, it's not anything I've studied at all that week in preparation for a message. But, but there have been times, and, and there are times, when I'm preaching or counseling or teaching and I sense and I have a call to my mind a truth of God's word a doctrine uh, something of significance about God that that would be helpful in that moment and I cannot tell you how many times the spirit of God has moved me and provided that that teaching and insight or information and it has brought a blessing to someone else again that's the work of the Holy Spirit bringing to mind the truth so, so that others could be impacted with it. Now, that usually happens because we've studied the Word of God, because we've, we've meditated and processed the doctrine, because we've experienced the Word of God, and, and we can give testimony to it. But I will tell you, I, I've also seen a time when a person did not study that Word of God, but the Spirit of God gave them that truth anyway. I was overseas, and I was 
teaching a, a group of what we call nationals. They were people from that country who were preparing to be leaders uh, in their church and beyond. And we were doing a study and I was asked a question. And so I, I answered and then asked a question back. And one of these men quoted a, a section of scripture that they had told me that, that had not been translated into, into their language yet. And so I looked to our translator and I said, hey, I'm, I'm confused. I thought you said that they had not had this book of the Bible translated into their language. And so he turned around to the man and asked him, you know, where did you get that scripture from? And the man said, I, I don't know. It just seemed like the right things to say. And so the translator actually looked up that section of scripture in English and then translated it back uh, to that person who had said it and, and all the other men who were there. And they were astonished because this man who had never read that portion of scripture had quoted it. Now, how did that happen? I will tell you. The Spirit of God, who is the author of the Bible, gave him that truth. This is the power of the Spirit of God. Not only does he call to remembrance what we've learned, he also has the power to put his word in us and to give us what is needed in that moment. And my goodness, what a powerful moment that was. The Spirit has the ability to call us to turn from sin, to call us to remembrance, to know God's word supernaturally and powerfully. And third, calling us to remember Jesus and his lordship. John 15, 26 says this, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And the witness he will bear is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord over every single disciple and he is Lord over every single situation. As Lord of our lives, those of us who have repented and believed the gospel... Jesus is our Lord and as Lord of our lives, he commands us how we are to live. He commands us what we are to do. His commands are found in the word of God. But our God is more than just sovereign Lord over us. He's sovereign Lord over all things. And so he is also Lord over our circumstances. And he uses those to, to train us, to conform us to the image of, of, of Jesus, our Lord, so that we become like him, so we think like him and we live like him. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He is our helper. He, he is, he's not a helper, though, like my cell phone. You know, I, I so appreciate the technology of my cell phone. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm very forgetful. And so I, I learned how to use this thing called the Reminder app. And so I have 21 standing reminders that come up at, at least once a month. Some of them come up uh, uh, every day uh, just to remind me of things that I'm supposed to do, to call to remembrance, to, 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 to guide me. The Holy Spirit is not like my cell phone. My cell phone is an it. It is a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a thing. He is a person. Take note of this. God promised the Holy Spirit would be someone to know. Let's look at verse 17, the first part. It says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, the pronoun is very important. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he or a him. 
What, what gives a person personhood is the ability to do three things. First of all, to think, to know and ascertain what is to be known. Second is to will, to act out of a desire and choose rather than just exist or to function off of instinct. Third is to feel, to care and be concerned beyond instinct or for reward, but out of a real compassion and God-like love. As a person, the Holy Spirit, he thinks, he, he wills, and he feels. So look at this. As a person, the Holy Spirit, he thinks. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So what we have is teaching from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is a thinking person, being, and he helps us think. He influences our thoughts. Secondly, he wills as a person. The Holy Spirit, he wills, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. And these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The context of that scripture is Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. And he's talking about how he, the Holy Spirit, apportions those according to his will. What he chooses, what he desires for us. Notice last that he fills. As a person, the Holy Spirit, he feels. Ephesians 4.30 and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, as we connect with the Holy Spirit personally, he's going to influence our thoughts. He is, he's going to, to work in us to accomplish his will. And he's going to respond to us. He's going to, he's going to respond, yes, emotionally. And so we're commanded that, that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. To grieve is to afflict with sorrows. When we grieve him, we're still in a relationship with him, but that relationship is not able to function to its fullest capacity. It's like uh, right now I can imagine as parents are confined into their homes with their children, there's maybe been some moments of conflict. Now, when a child grieves their parent, uh, that child still uh, is in a relationship with that parent. There is a blood connection. They are kin, blood kin. But their relationship is not good. And the lack of that good relationship keeps that child from flourishing in all the ways the child could if that child were only willing to submit to the authority of his or her parent. So it is for those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God has come into our life to lead us and to guide us. And when we sin, we grieve Him. It doesn't remove our relationship with Him. It does impact it. And it does keep us from being able to experience the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Our relationship with Him is based upon the blood of Jesus and His power working on us and in us. And, and we 
by faith must walk in his power, must walk in his love, must walk in, in the delight of his presence and his being because he's someone we know. He's someone we love. He's someone we trust. He's someone that we say, yes, guide me, Holy Spirit. Yes, uh, show me, Holy Spirit. Show me how I need to change. Let me yield to you. Even as we were receiving the Lord's Supper, I encouraged you to ask the Holy Spirit to, to impart to you insight into your own life. This is what the Spirit of God does. The third thing, God promised the Holy Spirit would, uh, would be someone to experience. The latter part of verse 17 says this. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I want you to notice two very important prepositions. Jesus is talking about a distinction of experience that we're going to have between him and after the Holy Spirit has come. You know him for he dwells with you and will be, now notice the change here, in you. People have experienced the Holy Spirit in different ways throughout history. Uh, before the coming of Jesus Christ, Old Testament believers that they would they would experience the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Judges 11:29 says, "Then the spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah." The Holy Spirit would come upon and and come off of, but he would come upon them. Now in the days of Jesus, when a person was with Jesus, they were with the Holy Spirit. John 7 beginning in verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of, of, of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In those days when, when they wanted to experience the spirit of God, it was in the presence of Jesus, because Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. To be in the presence of Jesus is to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. To be with Jesus then was to be with the Holy Spirit. But now after Pentecost, we have a completely different experience. Post-Pentecost, uh, he was now and is within. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God you are not your own now the spirit of God is in us he resides he remains with us forever in our text the disciples at that time they knew the Holy Spirit because Jesus was with them in that moment when Jesus was talking to them the, the Holy Spirit was there because Jesus was with them the Holy Spirit was talking to them because Jesus was talking to them the Holy Spirit was working with them because because Jesus was working with them. Now we experience the Holy Spirit differently than the disciples did in that moment. Soon the disciples would know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would dwell in them. And that's how we now know the Holy Spirit. He dwells in those of us who have repented and believed. And the experience of the Holy Spirit is powerful. See, he gives affirmation. See, when we are obeying God's word and we are walking in his will, there is a strong affirmation that he is pleased. There is also assurance. When we are living for Christ and we are sharing Christ, there is an assurance that he is with us. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. We are truly and fully saved. And there is a confirmation. See, when we have sought out to, to do the best uh, to our ability to honor God, there is a sense of, yes, 
I can look back at my life and I can confirm God has been at work. There is a difference in me. I can see the fruits of the Spirit now being produced in my life. This is the power of God. This is the work of God. Friends, I want to challenge you this morning. If you've never repented and believed the gospel, do that now. Understand that by doing this, you're going to enter into a whole new reality. The Spirit of God, I pray right now, is convicting you. He's drawing you. He's moving upon you. Now ask him to live within you. If you would like to right now repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, have a right relationship with God and be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray this prayer with me. Father God, I know I've sinned. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. Please forgive me. I believe in you, Jesus, that you have paid the penalty that you have been raised. Holy Spirit, live in me and seal me and guide me now forevermore. Amen. If you prayed that and you believe that in your heart, you've been saved. And the Spirit of God is now in you. And he's going to guide you throughout your life and on into eternity. If you have already at some point in your life repented and believed the gospel, but you know you've grieved the Holy Spirit, that you've not honored him and obeyed his word, you need to repent right now. You need to renew your relationship with God right now. And you need to let the Holy Spirit know you're sorry. And you need to let him know that you're going to, to the best of your ability, honor him. You're going to listen to what his word says every day. And you're going to walk in that word. You're going to walk in that truth. And I want to invite you right now even to ask God to, to bless you. To bless maybe some people that, that you know that are hurting. Maybe you don't know what to pray for them. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into truth. He will give you scriptures to share. He will give you insight in his word so that you can see the situation in, in the light of what God's word says. This is the power of God. This is the Holy Spirit at work. This is the blessing of God. And I pray that you will seek him, know him, experience him, honor him, and, and live for the glory of God in the name of Jesus in his power. If you will trust in Jesus, you can do this. If you will walk in his word, the spirit will guide you and all of this will bring glory to the father and blessing to you. Let me close us in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the blessing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to atone for our sin. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to bring conviction and, and new life, regeneration, that we might be born again to believe and repent so that we can have new life in Christ, a life that, that you feel. We are, we are now filled with your presence. You are in us and you are guiding us and your word speaks to us supernaturally and you're at work in supernatural ways to conform us to the image of Jesus. And we praise you for that, Holy Spirit. We ask you to help us as we, as we navigate these very difficult days. And we're so thankful, Father, that although we don't know what waits on the other side of this pandemic, you do. And so we can trust you. We can also even now know that you're wanting to transform us and to, to make us more like Jesus. So would you give us hope even now knowing that you're using this time for your purpose and let us join you in what it is you want to do. We promise to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you for joining us this morning. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that the Lord will make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
that he was turning his countenance upon you and give you peace. We'll see you soon.